Hey, what's good, baby? We back, man. Like I say every damn episode. <laughs> I'm trying to get something new, I guess, one day. But this is episode 58, man. Um, and I got my boy, my man, my man, Left Way, man. He's a fucking incredible artist, but he's also a sound engineer. This man does a lot of dope shit, man. Let me just tell you, he... He's a multi-talented, creative dude, man, but he's really built a business as an engineer, and he's a very well-to-do artist, man. And that's had him, it was good to have him on a podcast, man. We get into all kinds of topics, man. I'm going to save it for the show, but it was just really good to have him on the show, man. And one thing I have to say is that when you have a dude who really believes in himself and believes what he's doing, and he says he's not stopping, he's not quitting, he's headstrong about what he's going to do, man, it's always good to hear from people like that because you want to really get an insight on the mind frame that you have to have in order to make things happen in your life independently and this guy has been out there doing it and i respect that because a lot of people they talk about it but they don't live it and this guy talks about what he lives so with that being said i want y'all to give a big welcome to my man leftway and enjoy the show and on that note i'm out peace Now I put it to the cloud. Hey, what's good, everybody, man? We back, man. Ah, another episode. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been checking out the other episodes, man. We back. But today, I got my man. My man, Left is on and in the building today, baby. What's good, bro? What's up? What's up, man? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Left, man. What's going on, man? Thank you, sir. Oh, what's going on, Brian? We've been to do this for, 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 for a little minute now. Yeah, man. This is, this, is the, this is the, I call this guy the humble artist, man. He just like, at the end of the day, he's a super creative dude, man. But he's one of the most humble dudes. But he's like, Left is just a cool guy. Like, everything Left does, he, he does, he does everything cool. Like, there's nothing that Left doesn't do cool. <laughs> like, Left can make, just flicking the, the knob on a, on a, um, on an NPC player, probably look cool because the dude just does everything cool, man. If his nah. name was Joe, it'd just be Joe Cool, but it's Left Way, man. <laughs> this is my boy, man. So thank you for coming on the show, bro. Welcome. Thank you for having me, bro. All right, man. All right. Listen, so I got you on the show, man. Let the, I need to let the people know what, what, this, what this guy is about. But at the end of the day, man, he's, he's one of the best... Um, sound engineers you'll see out in this area out here right now man like he just knows what he's doing when it comes down to his engineer work when it comes down to his music he just so he just been working on it a lot and doing it a lot for a long time bro how did you get started in this uh that's a good question which part the engineering or the, the... <laughs> well first let's let's get back to where you come from first and foremost where are you from i'm from jersey I'm from okay Kenya. okay from originally from jersey how did you get started even messing with music to begin with? It's uh, a good question. It really started uh, when we were probably when I was about in sixth grade. Um, mm. And, you know, you start with a group of friends and it starts with poetry. It starts with just writing ideas down. Then that turns into, you know, like a daily hobby. It was something that we just Facts. all kind of got up and we came together and then we just started doing it consistently. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's okay, the things that we're writing, why don't let's just go to the studio and record it? Well, let's see what's going on with that. And I remember 
I remember the first time, I, my, my first time I ever went to a recording studio and the first thing I thought was just like, yo, people, people do this and, and like make a living off of it. That's right. right. And, and if you do it yourself. Who were some of your first influences back then? Um, nobody, it, like nobody influenced me to start writing, but, mm. but my favorite artists at that time were artists like Jadakiss. Okay. Like I love the locks and, and it, before my mind started expanding more into the music realm, right. The Michael Jackson, Stevie wonder guys. Like mm-hmm. I was like, before talking about hip hop, the, the Jada kisses, the DMXs, some of my first CDs that I started listening to were Mace, Will Smith, Missy yes. Elliott, X, you know, the Rough Rider stuff. Um, right. You know, I, I wasn't like all the way back with, you know, like run DMC and nah, nah. do rap and stuff. And it's not that, you know, but in terms of where I got started, yeah, with some of the, at that era, um, that's what, that's what really when it just became, you know, you start becoming into that, that mm-hmm. place of who you are, you know? It's funny when you get to, you, you, you find out what your influences are when you're young. And what you're attracted to, the first kind of music that you like, you join into. Like some people, their first, you know, first thing they ever really got into that they love music was Britney Spears, you know, as quiet as kept. Some people were Usher, some people were Jodeci, you know, some people were the Locks, and the other people might have been Mace. You never know, you know. And all of those played a major part too. I remember when the Now CDs used to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember that. Era, you had the mix of like mm-hmm. Mariah, right. Backstreet, uh, Whitney, you know, and then it would dive into like the pop music that was out at that time. And, and that was cool too. But if we were targeting just the hip hop stuff, yeah, it was I, like, I remember my older brother, like he, he was like, yo, we're not, you're not getting in my car unless we play Jada Kiss. Like it was on that type of, <laughs> and then like, I just really started to like understand mm-hmm. the formula of music and how Jada was writing and setting up punchlines and some of the songs that was going, you know, it was just like, that really triggered me and inspired me to start motivating me to keep working the craft. And around that time, you also developed your pen and you were around the homies. Yeah. How did that go for you? Like your influence, cause what it's like six to like, I would say six to like 12th grade. You have a lot of influences that are built up around you. You know, you have family influences, friends, girlfriends, and sometimes just outside influences from crazy homies that you just run across. Mm-hmm. What kind of things were you jotting down? What was going on with your pen then? Were you really focusing on the reality of your situation or were you more focused on, like, at that time, the shiny suit man life where we were just talking about where we wanted to go, you know? Yeah. No, at that time, I was talking about everybody, everything that I didn't do. So I was the <laughs> You know, killer, drug dealer. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it was the whole, um, it was just the hobby of a craft, putting these similes together and trying to start to connect. It wasn't as important to me at that time to tell my story, um, more so than to start sharpening the tool to be able to tell your story, if that makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. So, if it was like, if you battled somebody, it wasn't, Oh, look at his boots. They're growing roots. It was more like, this is a verse I wrote. This is a verse you wrote. And then we'll see whose is harder. Right. Okay. Okay. Kind of like a display of your work opposed to like a personal jab. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of that. 
there's a lot of lot of jabbing going on in hip hop. You know, what I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's you know, now we live in sub the sub era. But I remember back in the day, it wasn't no subs. If I didn't like you, you I was gonna say your name in a verse. Period. Point. Yeah, point. like you, no? you know, what I mean, we grew up in the Ether Takeover era, so it right, was, right. It was, it was war. Yeah, like it was yeah. crazy. And yeah. music yeah. get out of hand too. So you know, you want to find that fine balance. Find that balance. Did you when you started to move, get older, and you know, influences friends. They change as you get older, obviously. You know, you're going, you're like, you're rhyming throughout school and everything. So you're getting, you're kind of getting a name and your pen is tough, you know what I mean? But you, are you discovering some parts of, of yourself musically and just industry-wise, did you start to discover some parts of yourself that wanted to do other things than just rhyme? Or was it just at that time was just rhyming? Because you got to be thinking about going to college. Your friends are going away to school. Things are changing. You're coming up to your senior year. Right. Life is changing for you at that point. There comes that, you know, that come that that fork in a row where you got to make a decision on which where you're gonna go. How was that for you? Because I know everybody wants to rhyme. Either you want to, you know, we want to play ball in some type of sports, or we want to be a rapper, or we want to be a millionaire. We're gonna be going to become a stockbroker, whatever the case may be. You have to start making some decisions on what you want to do, even though you're a young man. What kind of things were going on for you around that time? Um. Around that time, I actually didn't want to go to school. I wasn't really too motivated to go to college and pursue mm. a specific major. I think that my mom played a major role in that because she was like, look, if, if I want you to go to school. And if you go to school, go to something that you're interested in. I don't care what it is. Yo, I wish yeah. my mama said that. You know, like, <laughs> like, like that's major right there. But nobody really knows what they're interested in at that age. So I understand why she probably never said that to me. Yeah, and I knew I loved music, mm-hmm. but I, at that time I was just stuck between like turning it into a career and something that I did when we got out of school, right? Like right, right, right. Just, because at certain at certain at a certain point it becomes a lifestyle because Facts. it's what you constantly do right. when you're not doing the other stuff you know, that everybody else is doing. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, yeah, I really like, I like music. I have no interest in engineering at all, but if I'm going to be around it and I can go to school to study it, cool. You know? That's smart, Left. That's smart. I, I think that I really, by my freshman year of college, um, I really thought I was going to get a deal. So okay. I was, you know, moving around, not doing too much. If I got a C, it was cool. Like I was kind of just blown through because I was like, I'm going to get signed. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go the way I wanted it. And it, it, you know, my artist hat was always on and it was like block the ego part was blocking out the idea of allowing other avenues to have a play in the bigger picture of having a career in this industry. Facts. You know, so I actually really didn't take the engineering thing too serious until my last semester of my last year. Oh, wow. And it, and it just it hit, me slow. it hit me slow because it was just like, wait a minute, what if what if I learn this, and then I can mix my own music? Like it did. It was it's it, it was like one of those like what, like a light bulb that went off. And when I thought about that, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, you see, uh, J Cole does that. A lot of yeah, a lot of people touch their own stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like um. Whether J. Cole makes his own beats, he has no features. Yeah. You no, know, you you have um the Ryan Leslie's out there. You have he's Aaron. extremely talented. That guy's ridiculous. Like, whoa. You, you know, and and 
again, the, the more um, the more asset you have, the more value. Facts. You know, the more value you have, the more leverage, and the more leverage, you know, is 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 a bigger check, right? So you know, you're 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 in position to be used more. How do the homies take that? Because the homies sometimes they want to, they just want you to do what they think you should do. They don't want to hear what you what other thoughts you have going on. Were they supporting or were they kind of like, I don't know about this left? Well, in terms of what, me engineering? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, what do you think? It, they said, <laughs> that's free studio time. What do you think? Word, 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 word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Word. No, it, it's funny, man. I, I always, when I, when I was a young kid, I had said it to myself and, um, you know, we I didn't have a studio in the house and then, but we had a computer mic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you the most basic recording program and you could just bring track in and have this terrible mix of you rapping horribly over this terrible sound, you know, beat. That listen, yeah, that shit never changes. I did it when I was a kid too. I thought I could rhyme and all that, man. I was freestyle with the homies and all that back in the day. Bro, it's it's like and now I t- I remember telling myself like, man, I just you know, one day I hope I could just have a studio where like just me and my friends can go and I can record them. Right, right. You know, and and sometimes I look around and I'm like, man, I, I did I did that. You know, I, I literally have more than one place at this point to be able to be self-sufficient and run sessions with me and mm-hmm. groups of people that I believe in. And 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 also at this point, create a business and, and generate some income. Yep. Some income, lies, much income. Let's put it that way. <laughs> My man is moving out here if y'all don't know. But um, business, business is different when you're young. Because like you said, the ego is always there. That Mr. Ego is always on your shoulder. And the more, the more acclaim you, you, you gather in the streets, the bigger your, your ego becomes. You know, When you leave school, you decide to go into the engineering field. And, but you're also, you're still an artist at heart. So creating is like priority for you. Mm-hmm. I saw you years ago at Mexicali, like perform and do your thing. And it was like, whoa, who's this kid? I never even heard of this person. The generation behind me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How was it for you as an artist to now have the ability to create on your own, but also still be like, I got to create for myself first. So I'm keeping all the good shit that I'm doing for me because <laughs> I got to create first and learning how to, to put that, that together. So you got to say the question again, how is it? How did you learn how to put it together? Your rhyming skills and your creativity as far as like engineering and everything, how did you learn to, to mesh them? Because sometimes they could be two different things. That is true. Give me one second to um, plug no in the, the, the charger. Hold on. Oh, got you, brother. Yeah. Back up. Okay. You got me? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. So how, 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 how do I... One more time... <laughs> what I was trying to say is like how did you learn how to mesh those two together the artist in you and this other creative that you were discovering how did you learn to mesh them because I saw you perform and it was dope I don't know I don't know if you were doing the interesting thing back then but you were really catching a vibe at that time like a real vibe was going off and but you were just like maybe about I had to be about three years three or four years removed from school 
So life had to be like really different. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it it wasn't any inconvenient or it was all, it, it actually worked out hand in hand. One hand washed the other. I got um, you. Because when it came down to creative control, you got to remember now, so if I'm an artist and I want to record something and I want to hear it a certain way and I know how to manipulate it to get it to how I want it, right? I can, I can do that. I can create performance tracks for my shows. I can, right, I can, I can just think of a hook or a line or an idea in, in, in essence and be able to just lay it down and then also control how it sounds. So I feel like it actually made me stronger as an artist and as a creative in whole because I was able to take the time to almost develop my own sound in a way. You know, I had full creative control on anything that went in the mic and full creative control on how it comes out, right? So it's, it's, it's great. It's being able to play offense and defense on, on the court. Did you, did you sign up for TuneCore? How did you distribute your stuff at that time? At that time, it was just, I was just SoundCloud, I think. SoundCloud. At that mm-hmm. time that you saw me, probably around that time, yeah, I wasn't, um, you know, I don't even think there was major platforms at that time, right? No, nah, it was just TuneCore. That was the only thing. Right, I yeah, yeah, I don't even think, you know, so it was, it was really, uh, I guess you could, I was a SoundCloud guy, you know, which... Hey, 90% you know, of the rappers that are out right now are sound, were original SoundCloud rappers. You know, yeah, it was the YouTube thing and the SoundCloud thing. Yeah, man. Um, and you-, you know, again, it was just a developmental stage to where yeah. um, I think all those times and those um, specific encounters that you may have seen me so it was just all a building stage. I got know? you. I got you. How was it for you personally? being involved in this business you're involved in the entertainment business because you're going to meet people you've met tons of people you know how was it personally for you at that time growth wise as far as like your life like because you have family and you have women they come around you know how are you dealing with that having a little bit of a buzz going on in your city um you know, I, I have an amazing support system. Right. Amazing support system when it comes to family. You know, mom is at every show. Um, my father lives in Baltimore, but he'll come up for shows. Like, my sister, everybody supports what I'm doing, and it never really tended to be income inconvenient in terms of family stuff. When it came to the relationship aspect at the, at those times, some of it, it wasn't about the buzz or, or shows. It was really about all the things that you didn't see all the time that goes into yeah. that 10 minute set. So all the late night studio hours and those things right. become an issue if you can't manage your, your time correctly. Mm. And also if you don't communicate properly, perfect right. example is, Hey, I'm going to, you're, you're in your twenties. So that's a different kind of whole ball in your early twenties trying to manage life. There is no time management in your early twenties. You just go. Yeah, mm. man. It's really a tunnel vision space. Yes. And it's hard to not be in that space without being in tunnel vision. If you're, if who are you listening to around that time, as far as musically-wise? Well, who are you listening to that was um, kind of some energy? I think at that time, J. Cole was crazy. Mm. Um, Hove is always a big... Uh, uh, he actually changed... Hove changed my whole direction of music in terms of being honest and also... Mm. Um, sticking to my idea, yeah, sticking to my truth with my content and being able to display it to people in a certain manner. Um, 
at that time again, I was still I just had my 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 um my ear tuned into whatever like you know I think Kendrick was coming out crazy at that time. Kendrick was Wale. major. He had some Wale major. Was he was coming crazy. like on some next level. Everybody from the West Coast, everybody from that TDE crew was coming, and we were just like preparing ourselves for the next level because they were going somewhere else with it. And ASAP was hot around that time. I remember that because this was like Dipset had fallen off, so New York was dead. And then all of a sudden, ASAP just came out of nowhere, and we were like, "Oh shit!" And then Chief Keef, I remember that was like a big thing. Um, yeah. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. And and even coming up too, like a lot of R and B. Yes, a lot of R and B, bro. Yes. I was a big R and B head. Um, a lot of soul music. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I remember, you know, even Dipset. So, you know, like it was just. The heat makers, just there was a certain era and a certain cloth. Yeah. And to this day, I'm still doing my homework on a lot of a lot of people that were from then, a lot of people that are coming out now. It's, it's very difficult to try right. to keep up with everybody, but um it's good, you know. I, I can appreciate everybody. I remember 50 was big coming out, swinging, you know, it's just it was it was a lot. It was the murder rank, rough riders, Rockefeller, that era of just this combustion of just great music. It was you. I didn't need anything else. You don't need a lot. Because, I mean, even back then, they had great R&B. You had Genuine back in those days. And he was yeah. always dropping some fire shit. I mean, and even um, young, oh, I should, you know, old Kanye West and young Drake. Those, that, I mean, that era was infinite. Of it was so different big. because it felt like, it felt, everything felt, how can I say, you didn't have so much fakeness. You had a lot of, like, just open truth. Like, yeah, she played me, B. I didn't know what I was doing. It's okay. Everybody goes through that. Not everybody is LL Cool J. And we no, nothing ever happens to us. Right. Did you, that maceration of growing into who you are now, you know, those are developmental years. That 25, that I mean, that really that 23 to about 28 years of your life, there's a lot of development. A lot of things go right. A lot of things go wrong. How was how was your transitioning into the business wise? Did you start seeing yourself transitioning more into the entertainment field? Did you start to get in contact with people that were really heavy in the business? What kind of influences did that kind of go besides just you making music, but just you on the, on, I guess on the boards and working the boards and learning that. Yeah. I mean, that taught me, taught me a lot, right. It taught me Mm -hmm. a complete different perspective. Like it's different when you're a basketball player on the court, yeah, yeah. And you're on the court. Mm-hmm. And then it's different when you're like somebody that's in the stands and you're seeing the court from a, com- you're seeing the same court. It's just from a complete different perspective. Uh, you can really see who's open <laughs> and who's not getting rebounds and what's what's going on. Opposed to when you're there, everything is just here, you yeah. know, but when you're up here with it, you can see everything from, a, right. you know, from the board, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I can... I can see everything from the board and I can hear everything different, you right. know? Um, you know, short story. I, um, I used to, I used to serve tables. Right. And that was like the, the hustle while I'm trying to get into this industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my biggest pride and prideful, you know, pride days was just like, I was rolling up silverware one day and I got a text from my stepfather and was like, yo, just ran into, um, Memphis Bleak's manager at the bar, mm-hmm. he, you know, he wants to meet with you, right? So I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is crazy, right? This is, this is a, that's not a regular text to just get and then go no, home today. Like, 
Word. So long story short, gained a relationship with that. And mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, I remember going to a club one night and Bleak's manager, there was a guy there that had came in with him. It was one of Jay's producers. And he was like, yo, just let you know, that's, that's so-and-so. This is one of Jay's producers. I want you to meet him. So we were chopping up and he was telling me that at the time that, you know, Jay-Z had a studio called Rock the Mic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on 115 West 27th Street in the city. And uh, I remember like, yo, just talking to the dude and I was like, yo, I would love to come by and sit in a session and just see the the vibe of that studio if, if possible. You know what I mean? Just to just be around that energy. Facts. Like, you engineer? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I heard that, you know, you 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 work at the studio over here that he was like, yo, I own it. It's like, all right, cool. And, <laughs> and, right. And at the time I wasn't even that great at engineering. I, you know, I, I was right. still, you know, but you have to be confident. You gotta, you gotta know, you know, that you gotta know yourself. That's for anything. You gotta learn. If you push yourself to do something that you're scared of, man, there's so much reward in that. You just gotta continue to push yourself and do it. And you, you know? gotta ask yourself, what do you have to lose, right? Word. 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 But, I mean, really, what do you have to lose at this point? Like, you're just like, yo, I'm trying, I'm sitting on the fringe of this industry. I'm trying to get in this door. What do I gotta lose? Let me just jump in and just do it. Yeah, man. So, so, okay, I was like, I right, cool, we exchange numbers, whatever. He ended up texting me two weeks later on Thanksgiving. Around that time, it was just like, look, um, I want you to come in. If, you know, when, when are you free to come in? I said, when do you need me there? You know? And long story short, I ended up, he said, are you nice? I remember him asking me that. And I put, <laughs> yeah, I'm nice. You know what I mean? I had to, I had to, like, what am I going to say? Oh, I just started. Word, word, word. So I go there and we're working on, he told me right away, he's like, look, we're working on a private project. And there's another engineer here and pretty much whoever does better, we're going to run with. I'm thinking like, all right, like, all right, all right, so cool. Now, you know, you got me on an engineer off. Here we go. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm in Studio A, he's in Studio B, and we're just mixing records, whatever the case is, and recording too. And um, and they were like, yo, at the end, they were like, yo, we're going to run with you. And I was just like, wow. So I started going to rock the mic, and that that hustle was crazy because I go in there maybe six at night. I'm not getting out till 10 in the morning. So you right get in the morning, fire, bro. You get you get the education like by fire, really by fire. Yo, they you put know, you. Yeah, I'm 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 dumped right in, right? So yeah. and at that time, remember, I'm getting out at 10 a.m. and then I got to shoot back to Jersey and go serve tables by 11, 11:30 in the morning. And I'm like, I'm working doubles, and I'm. It, it's just, it was crazy. It was crazy in there, and um, you know, that experience showed me a lot, and I and I say that because. I was around the reality sometimes. Like, I remember going to a, a Rockefeller reunion show and I'm going down the stairs backstage and somebody hits me on the shoulder and says, my bad, and I'm looking over and it's just Blaze. Mm-hmm. Or I remember seeing Beanie Siegel and the Young Guns down there, of course, mm-hmm. Bleak. I remember seeing, I'm, I stuck my head in one room and I remember, like, seeing most Def fixing his jacket and looking in the mirror, cocking his hat, and I'm like, yo, this is, like... Crazy, like these are you know what I'm saying? Like, these are guys I grew up on, or um, you only see on TV, you know, right? Right, right, right. right, This wasn't my everyday reality, like, but it's starting to become that now because I'm around it, you know, like, so I'm you know, I'm keeping my cool and I'm kind of just going with the flow, what things are. Um, long story short, Rock the Mic closed down, and 
but I got to experience the engineer side with being around some of the dope artists that I grew up on and the reality of what, what, what that's even like. But you got to learn how to move in that kind of situation too. See, that's an education within itself because a lot of people don't know how to move. Like some people become starstruck and then they, they get wrapped up in the industry and stuff like that. You got to learn how to work in the business and not, and become a part of the business and not just be somebody who's just there to spec, uh, to uh, be a spectator. That's a valuable lesson, man. Yeah. It, and it just showed me a lot. I mean, um, it, it just, you know, again, it just taught me, uh, not just a cool weekend or a dope experience. It, it showed me like, I remember going to a show with bleak. I didn't get back home till six, 7 AM after hitting the casino after the show or stuff, you know, stuff like that. Or just like, even now it's just, I just thinking about it. Just sometimes if you forget certain things, but it's like, yo, this is, this was like a reality for certain people. And, you know, you don't really understand that coming out of school and school, mm-hmm. those, those trade schools, it's not promising you a position. Nobody like, you know, they're not checking your GPA, right? Oh. When you come out of an art school or a trade school, wherever you go, you don't, they're not looking at your GPA. They're looking at your portfolio. What have you done? Facts. Who have you worked with and what have you done lately? Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, he's a young kid. I'm like coming back home from school. I'm trying to figure this out. Like, what do I do? Do I apply places? Does, do even studios take resumes? I don't even know how this works. So now I'm sitting here serving tables, right? Still making music in my mom's basement, still trying to just be in any session I could get my hands on, right? Just yeah. staying up all hours of the night. Um, of course, putting relationships in jeopardy, you know, no mm-hmm. sleep. You're not eating correctly, right? You're just trying to figure things out to start building some sort of path. Because right now you're taking a shovel and doing your own Exactly. You're not just sticking to the nine to five highway that everybody's in, you know. And, and you feel and you feel like at the at some point, certain points you feel so isolated because all you're doing is that. Like everybody else is partying and you just like and you're doing it when you're starting doing it, social media was just coming to age. So you're seeing all this. Like it's like I remember one time I was out with Doves, man. And he's like, yo, sometimes you just you be home and you see people out and you feel like a freaking, you feel like a bird because everybody else out doing their thing, but you suck here working on some shit. Yo. But sometimes that's the life. That's, that's the sacrifice you make to chase your dream. You this know? Is, this is 100% correct. And Drake said it in the light-up record, right? We just here making all the music that you party to. <laughs> While everybody else is partying, we're just here making yep. the music that y'all party too. Like that was such a real line. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're an artist, you really understand that. You, you yeah. know, especially a committed artist. Yeah. Really did, did, did your, as you were working at that place and you are pushing, you're making these connections, did the relationships around you start to fade or did some people just, they stay by you? Because that could take a lot of toll on your mind, you know? Um, in, in what place? Like just around you, like your homies, like were the homies still there? Did you, they start doing their 100%, own thing? One hundred percent. No, That's because it. what happened was, you know, they're they're still working on their music or whatever mm. we got going on, and um, I don't think no, I don't think relationships faded. I think everybody was, you know, supportive in my corner as much as they could be, and just continuing to work on their own. That's a major right, lesson, right on, bro. Right on the side, because eventually we came together. We we had a we had a company together. Right. We had created a label, pretty much. We were coming out with merch, mm. and we were coming out, throwing our own shows. And again, that's another conversation because that was the the, the, the real dive into this independent. Let's just do it ourselves. Um, Young Dolph kind of level. Young Dolph. 
that's my guy anyway. <laughs> like, anytime I hear independent, I think of him because he's one of the biggest independent artists, like Russ. Like some like a lot of people don't understand like how how hard it is to be an independent artist. You know what I mean? Like it is not a joke. So for you to say you were rocking with your boys back then, I can only I can only imagine the kind of how the kind of ups and downs you're facing. Because even though you're making these moves, you're making these connections, don't mean you put all the dots together and it, it just happens for you. Right. I think, um, but you start to learn that the more you get into the business, you also start to learn that everything that we're starting to do on our own is what a label would have um, ended up doing for us anyway. So if we're running studio sessions, they're going to be booking sessions for you anyway. If it's rehearsal, they're going to be putting you in artist development anyway. If it's merch that, okay, they'll create the merch instead of you. But right. either way, you're, you're following the basic formula to mm-hmm. be able to uh, market, promote, and distribute as a, as an artist, as a company, and as a brand, you know, Facts. that's that's really the most important thing. I grew up around so many great independent, whether it's talented or whether it's fashion guys too. I remember I was out in Boston and I, I linked up with some of the dopest fashion designers out there that were on an independent level. These guys started selling T-shirts and hats out of their trunk mm-hmm. and gained a real relationship with them, and I and learned it taught me so much on how to design, how to print the material to print on. You know, um, and how to reach your demographic and your market with your stuff. So, and then integrating it right really with the music or the foundation of what people know you for. So you have to figure out how to reach people. And um, we're just in a real interesting time right now. You know, uh, my thing is it's interesting how that works out. How you being around more creative people like can like really up your game if you're smart and you pay attention. And you appreciate their creativity, man. It it is, but it's also, I think that's basic law. You know, it's kind of like you are who you people who, you know, who you're around. (laughs) If you're around around nine bums, guess who number 10 is? (laughs) Your ass. Right. And if you're around extremely talented, brilliant, hustling, hardworking people, you're probably most likely going to end up becoming what your environment is. Facts, facts. Business is, is different when you're a creative and learning how to be business savvy is different when you're a creative, especially when you're an independent creative. When did you start to really realize you need to get your business in check? Like money, how I, how I move my money, what do I do with this money and how do, you, how do I really operate as a business? When did it start to come to you? Like, I got to really start getting this shit together as far as that goes. Um, I, had to, I had to really check myself on... Actually, was so okay. So long story short, so Rock the Mic closed, right? Yeah. They ended up selling that studio. From there, I started to go to the Bronx at another spot called Contracts, and from there, I met like a lot of the battle rapper guys, Loaded Lux. I was working with Goods a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Murder Mooks, and you know that that realm, of, and and other artists too, Fred the Godson, uh, rest in peace to him. And I um. I was able to get a lot of work done there. And then I realized my commute was just crazy, man. Like it was just, I was going to the city all the time. The hours was really intense and all this stuff. And it just kind of forced me to start thinking, I got to start thinking about how I can work for myself at this yes. point. Yes. With the knowledge, with the background, mm. most key part with my experience, and then tie that into what is my value? And what can I offer? And what's around me for competition and other people in this in this doing the same thing? And I had to like do a lot of way outs. And then a lot of it was just belief in myself, but I was able to set up a place to where 
I started working from home. You know, so you got to do it. I mean, I don't know like, else to put it. That's the only way you can really make things happen. And sometimes yeah. you just got to put it, you just got to do it from the crib and just work from there. That's how it Bro, works. It's just like, all right, cool. I was doing sessions for the super low just to build practice and clientele and did the same thing with photography, like, bro. I totally feel you on that shit. You know what I mean? It's works, mm-hmm. works all all independent, I think, um, artistic aspects work very similar. You start making t-shirts in your crib or taking photos at a wedding or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, what if I charge for this? And somebody pays you for that one time and you're like, whoa, what if I do this like a whole bunch of times? Right. And then facts things start to build, and then you start seeing a reoccurring pattern of like this is kind of working. Mm-hmm. And then on the side, I'm still serving tables or I'm driving Lyft or I'm trying to figure out ways to keep coming in with money while this is building. And then, the, I mean, the target goal is to obviously have one of them fade out and it's not the one that I was already doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you kind of like want to be able to- Get out of there eventually. You definitely do. Yeah, I think well, it's dope that you, you, you never gave up. You know what I mean? Like you, you're persistent. And then your persistency and sticking with that was like like really important early on to stick with it because most people, I'll be honest with you, would have given up by now. You know, with the hours that you that you were keeping, would have burnt them out to the point where they don't even want to touch a board. Well, so then that goes back to what you said as well. I think the more serious that I ended up taking this because I had to, it just got mm-hmm. to a point where I can't do this for twenty five minutes, thirty minutes, and stop and go play basketball or, mm-hmm. you know, I had to like sit there for hours. Right. And, um, a lot of it came from just my own passion. It wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like forcing myself to work this stuff, but there are times where like, I wasn't leaving rock the mic early. I wanted to be there for as long as I could. Right. Like those are, that's a normal, it was, mm-hmm. that's where I belonged. That's where I felt like it was the right thing. And it was an opportunity. I'm not giving, you know, there's certain things you got to stay locked in and, the people around me, uh, that's when the fade out started to happen. So it wasn't necessarily friendships, but they all kind of just started fading out. Everybody that you started writing with or making music with, that stopped because life happens. Yeah. People, people have, have babies, have wives, have cars, houses to worry about, stuff like that. Yeah, life happens. So yeah. once that happened, like I still, I started looking around. I'm like, I feel like the people I started with aren't necessarily here, even though they're here in my corner, they're just not here with me presently. And um, that's okay because sometimes you don't finish with the people you start with and you start to understand that life happens and not everybody's path is the same. Facts. That's, that's the beauty of it. You know, you right. start running into other people that take this thing just as serious as you do mm-hmm. and you build relationships with them and you, and you stay focused on your own stuff, but you got to work together sometimes too. What, what made you, what made you understand like really start to understand that for yourself? Was there a very, was there like a seminal moment in your life where you just looked around and you were just like, yo, damn, I'm really just, I'm out here just doing what I got to do. When did you have, did you ever have that moment where you just looked around and was like, damn, I'm really just here right now? Um, I think once we started to go independent and we, we, we start, I remember when we made hoodies and we got these hoodies in stores, we got them in two, two accounts. They were like two boutique stores around here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you, I don't know if you're familiar, Jeffers, Jefferson's in, in Bergenfield and then yes. in Englewood. We had mm-hmm. got hoodies in there and they sold out. And I remember I remember going to the gym one time and I saw somebody working out in my hoodie. And I was like, yo, where'd you get that hoodie from? And they were like, no, nah, I got it from, you know, 
this boutique over here. And I said, yo, that's, I made that, right? And the same day I came home, I think my sister or my mom called me and they said, yo, we were in Target or, or Home Depot, or one of those type of spots. And they were like, somebody came walking in with your, somebody else came walking in with your hoodie. I was like, that's crazy. I was just at the gym. Right, right, right. So I was like, what's going, something's happening, right? And then <laughs> also, also when we had, when we did have the label and the team that I was working with at the time, right. we ended up throwing a show at Mexicali. And okay. bro, we, we almost pretty much sold it out. Mm. And but we went so hard with promotion. I was out at the mall putting flyers on cars. I was going to colleges, Rutgers, Fairly Diggers, wherever. I'm I'm doing I'm doing open mics at these and you know killing it and they're saying, look, we got a show at Mexico. Come check us out. And then I'm over here and I'm over there and I'm doing a podcast. All of a sudden, it starts building this little bit of noise and buzz. And it was like, yo, the fact that the you know, we made money that night. We sold hoodies that night. Like it worked. It was like one of those things where you're trying to find out the experiment and then mm-hmm. like you do it and, it and it actually works. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> like that was a major, because it, like you said, it's, it's an extreme hard work to be independent. And yes, when you see your hard work come back tenfold, it makes it motivating, inspiring to kind of like repeat that. You know, and I was watching the last dance with Michael Jordan. It was like, man, to see them win one, two, three, and then and leave come back. And like five, six, you know, four, five, six, it, but to just keep doing it. And for him to want to have played to try to get to the seventh, I, you can understand that because when you keep winning, it becomes an addiction and it becomes, you know, it's like challenging and it's fun and there's a lot of mm-hmm. the reward is just, you know, that you can't explain that. And that's that's also a lot of the things that kept me going. Because that's I was like, yo. That's how I feel about a lot of things that I saw back then, too, because I also felt that way about a lot of things. But I also understood that life happens. But once you find your passion and what you what you want in life, it's hard to let that go. And it's hard to let that go. But it also is best that you don't because it's what it fuels your life. It gives your life a spark. And like you said, I think Mm -hmm. it goes back to a deeper, a deeper root for me, spiritually speaking. If you have a passion and you're really great at something, we consider that a gift. Right. And all you have to do is figure out how to monetize your gift. I never even thought about it like that. That's very true. Your gift brings you value. Right. So if, you, if you're valuable with this, whatever it is, how can you offer it out to people and then start to build on that? I, I truly think, I think everybody should just work for themselves. <laughs> like, what is it that you're great at? I don't care what it is. Right. But some people, some people are really great at just being workers and working for someone and helping that person example. become great. Hmm? Give me an example. So like, I had a friend of mine. She, how can I put this? She she's never great at doing anything on her own. But if you get her behind you, she and she's working for you, she can make magic out of nothing. And what I realized is she is the type of person who, if you leave her to her own devices, she's good at just doing it and making something of it. But putting a business together is not her thing and like making that happen. But helping you, putting, putting her all into you to get to where you need to be and her doing work for you, like maybe putting books together, maybe taking care of, um, I guess you could say, uh, your day-to-day operations and things of that nature, she can do, she can be the best assistant in the world. 
And that's her thing. Some people are good at organizing and setting up things, not for themselves, but for someone else. And I think that's a confidence thing. So two things with that. Mm -hmm. That was like the most amazing example you could give. (laughs) But but to to even take that and, and make it bigger, it's like that person can create a business that offers training for assistance. Facts. Facts. Being facts. assistant, and then you pretty right. much would go ahead and um, deploy these assistants out to people that need them. An assistant service, to, basically. Right. Like you a know, nursing service. That's a very good point. Yeah, like man. But, but I agree that, yeah, there are jobs like that. Where those are very special cases where you kind of have to work for somebody because that's your niche. Right. You know, I mean, you, hey, listen, if you worked for Diddy and then he puts you on and then all of a sudden your company's a $30 million company, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but you got to be like you said, you got to be creative and think outside the box. You know, I think that's how I'm starting to move at this point, because it's like, there's no reason why, um, you know, you have to figure out again, this goes back to purpose. What is your purpose on the planet? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not an easy answer. No, it's not. You know, and then basically you can take that and, find your gift, find your niche, find your value, what you can bring to someone else or other people. What can you do? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. What can I do? Like, listen, when I wake up in the morning, what is it that I'm trying to uh, contribute? Speaking of contributing and speaking of, of opening of, um, I guess you could say finding out what you can do. You came to a place where you needed to expand past where you already were. You were doing the, the studio stuff at home. You were handling your business at the crib, but you, you were doing your studio work there. But then you decided to come on down to the gallery, which was something completely different before. But then you brought your talents there. What made you say, I can move, I'm going to move my talents to, a, to my own, to a new space and step out of my box here? The bigger picture, mm. you know, the bigger picture of um, the business because, you know, Vars and Sam, Sam, I didn't meet till later. Vars was a client at first. Okay. Um, he was a very consistent client and he was bringing me, you know, how he works. He's four yeah. or five artists. He's getting people in and out of here. Uh-huh. And um, one day he just called a meeting and was just like, look, left, like we have, this opportunity and this spot, this space. Mm-hmm. And if we were to pretty much, you know, financially contribute to the point that we just need you to kind of like run the space, was that something you would consider? And at first I was like, I don't know. This doesn't make, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing okay on my own. Right. You'd have to give <laughs> me a bigger reason for me to just want to jump ship. And then when I thought about it on my own, I was like, man, you know, my business is, is picking up drastically um, right. and I'm tired of just having people in my space, in my personal space. I mean, that's what I was going to say too. I mean, it is, it's a lot to have people in your personal space like that after a while. Yeah, man. And it's just, you know, um, I think, you know, you, you want to get your business to a point where you're like, okay, we're going to take on a commercial real estate and get a commercial storefront and have a real place, a place that mm-hmm. offers, you know, in essence. And also, that helps sell the business as well. Right. 
because when clients that haven't worked with you see that type of space, mm-hmm. it can take you serious because you took yourself serious. Exactly. You know, so linking up with people like yourself and you do right. a photo shoot in there and you can mm-hmm. promote the spot. Now the spot looks more intriguing and it makes it more sense to, to charge more. They'll spend more because it has the aesthetic, probably has a better sound, Word. There's a lot, you know, more going on. And um, it just makes sense. So, again, this goes back to just um, I, I did a, I did an uh, interview maybe about two weeks ago with somebody and they were like, Left, all you say that you always say when it makes sense. But it's just funny to me because it's like this made sense. <laughs> I mean, it just does. It is what it is. If it does, it does. You know what I mean? Fuck it. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Yeah, you know. So, um, it makes sense. <laughs> How's it been for you that transition? Because before we even got really got started, we we had a lot of little complications, man. Let's say the first day we had was the uh, studio got flooded. <laughs> <laughs> How was your mindset at that time, fam? Because that was like a big... I was pissed, personally. You know, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, we just bought the Raven in there and the whole yeah. bunch of gear. And then, you know, you, you come across incidents like that. Um, I didn't let it get to the point where, you know, at that, at that point, you just react. Mm-hmm. You react. You know, these are things that are out of your control. These are things that come with the territory of, of having a place like that. So, you know, it's just another responsibility. It's another... Um, thing that you have to watch over, manage. This goes back to management again, right? right. Time management, space management, clientele management, mm-hmm. financial management. Um, what can you handle? And when there are issues along the way, you, you take care of it. You solve it. I'm not, you know, you, things like a flood or um, what, you, what can you do? You know, you get, everybody comes together and they try to Fix Take it. care of it. Yeah. <laughs> Best we can. That was a rough time. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, Sam was dealing with as best he could because that had been his baby for the longest. That had been his shop for the longest. And for him to have that was like, damn, like right when we're about to make some changes, you know, you think, oh, that's a bad omen or a bad sign, but it's not. You know, nah, yeah, it was definitely inconvenient, right? You yeah, can't it was inconvenient. There. You, you got to fix the issue as fast as possible and, and, and the most, you know, uh, efficient way, but, but you do what you, you know, you do what you can and, um, you get it, you get it back up, you recover, you recover, mm-hmm. you know, like anything else, look, look at the, look at the time we're in now. Right. Right. The economy's down, the so, virus, the this and that, it's just like, you you got to recover. You got to figure out how to use it against it and, and bounce back. You know, when COVID happened, we were working, we were, I had a podcast going on in there. There was things going down. Um, COVID happened I remember I got sick And I remember talking to you right before I got sick And you were just like Yo bro you okay bro One thing about Left y'all y'all don't know Left is one of the most considerate people Yo fam will hit you and be like yo you alright yo You good fam Just checking in on you A lot of people don't do that You know what I mean especially not grown men Not, not at this stage everybody's so concerned with themselves But Left is like one of those rare people that will If he fucks with you he's gonna hit you Like yo you good Okay cool <laughs> That's just how he is. But in this, in this world, we want things to go a certain way. And in March, by the time March was going down, we were going, things were going in a good way. But I think that, you know, not to get on some religious shit, but I think God definitely put a little stop to the world to let us see some things, expose some things, you know, sad as it might sound. How was it for you when COVID happened? 
talk me through that that first couple of weeks what was going through your mind what was going through your head because everything's kind of shutting down at that moment yeah i think um you know i probably had very similar thoughts everybody else had you didn't know if your first concern obviously is your health period Thanks. everything after that will follow suit so we had a project coming the project was, was the project out yet yeah, the project came out March 1st. So March 1st, so yes, it just, just dropped. It was probably just around that time, but things weren't shut down or anything because I was out actually at a bar celebrating. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is dope. Yeah, man, that was, it was a, that was amazing. But I, yeah, so when it hit, I mean, yeah, once, once you figure out you kind of how things are being handled and what's going on and being consistent with the news and reading articles and staying tapped in and, and tuned into what, you know, what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Because again, if, you know, once I, once you get to the space where you're like, my health is good at this point, um, things can be worse. Big facts. It can be <laughs> super bad. I'm talking you like know really that, bad. Right? Uh, from being, you know, cause you had a hospital trip. So it's like, look, if I'm yeah. not, hooked up to a ventilator like some people are if i'm not mm-hmm. if things can be worse i'm gonna it's gonna be fine we just have to figure out at some you know at some point how we're gonna maneuver through because everybody's situation is different and and i didn't know um it was definitely a i mean that was it that again we're still in it <laughs> We're still in it but I was like, the early days was so unsure i didn't know what was going on i remember going to the store and there'd be no hand towels, and I was freaking out a little bit. Yeah. I went to Trader Joe's and dumped tons of water into a cart. This is before the lines. Dumped tons of water into the cart. I remember buying up mad shit, like burning money. Like, I don't give a damn. I'm getting everything. I Because I, I just didn't know. Because right. at that time, the, I knew the virus had not mutated a second time. You know, it had already mutated once. So that means whatever strains were out there, it had to only be like, to spread that fast, it would have to mutate at least once, right? It spread so quick. And all of a sudden, I remember going to the hospital and I saw the quarantine stuff there while I was sick. I saw it. I saw the whole thing. But at that time, it may have been like five cases in, in Teaneck. And then the next thing I know, there's like 18 people in there. And then now 20, then 30. And you're just like, what? Like, you don't even know, like, it just keeps moving. Um, but your business is an in-person business. It's not a, I'm going to sit over here and you can send me the tracks all day long. It's an in-person business because you're recording these people. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you off, off from the rip? Because I know at that point you're isolating yourself. Yeah. I had to think about, so again, being able to think like an artist because I am one, mm-hmm. it allowed me to say, well, how am I going to, maneuver as an artist at this point with the world being shut down and if we're going to talk about the world being shut down and integrate that with the business side of things what does that mean word. It means no shows yeah no networking events word it means no flights none that means no shooting music videos right now no full right there so as an artist what are you going to do mm-hmm. you're going to write okay 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 and eventually in my head i'm like well a wave is going to come because if you can't go to work and you can't be outside and you can't go be productive somewhere, no, I would assume that I'm going to, my phone is going to be off the, 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 
the meter in a minute because mm-hmm. people are going to want to record everything they've been writing for the last month and a half at that time. Right, right, right. And I had to really still, you know, gauge what's safe. I'm not putting anybody, including myself, in any type of harm's way to get a song done. We're not doing that, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So, Dig you it. know, um, I think I, I knew it was going to be all right. I just had to start, you know, adjusting. I had to start okay. adjusting. And when it comes to the other part of it, too, is, if you know, I can work. Um, I can work remotely so people will send me sessions and pay me to mix their sessions that's already recorded so i got a lot of that um and so it was a lot of remote work and then a lot of it bro a lot of it was on hold and you take the three four weeks five six weeks off like everybody else and you you do a lot of writing yourself yeah i did i did a lot of writing a lot of thinking a lot of planning a lot of reflecting a lot of just searching happens yeah yeah, I think everybody kind of went through that space. You know, you don't yeah. stay there, but you definitely go through it a little yeah. bit. Like, you think you became, you think you came out better? Yeah. Did you know anybody who caught the virus? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me I too. know a few people and, and I was really, really blessed to be able to work with Fred the Godson before he passed. Mm. Um, so he, I worked with him in December. It was uh, me... I was on the um, Goods mixtape with him. Dave East was on there. Um, and a couple of the dope features and producers. But Fred was on there and I got to work with him the night that we you know we record I recorded and mixed the record he was on. And that was just crazy when he passed. Cause it was just like, man, like Didn't know? see that one coming. Nah. nah. I when, lost he my caught it, when he caught it, I was talking to Goods a lot, like, yo, you hear any updates? What's going on? Because he wasn't the healthiest either, you know? So you try to think about, I hope you don't hope the worst happens, but it's in play, you know? I was bugged out because, you know, a friend of mine passed and then, you know, it's not, it's not, I know it's so trivial, but there was no ball. There was nothing to even distract my mind from anything, you know? And when you don't have sports and you're so used to having sports, you forget how, how certain things in your life were taking up so much time that you didn't realize that when it was gone, you're just like, wait a minute, I don't got this right now. It's a, it, it was an amazing moment to stop and think about everything that was going on, you know? And it just didn't seem like it was ever going to end. We're still in it today. Not as bad here in Jersey, but in other places it's pretty bad. And now you're working Business has been picking up for you a lot. Doing well. <laughs> How do you feel that you came out of this all right? And do you think it could have gone, no pun intended, completely left? Um, I think it definitely could have went left. Yeah. Right? That's a, that goes for anybody. Um, yes. How do I feel that it didn't? Yeah. Very blessed, very fortunate, very mm. grateful. Um, and it's not over, you know, this, this is a, um, at any time, you know, things, you know, sometimes it can be a roller coaster or a stock graph, you know, it does this, right? So you gotta, <laughs> gotta try to like be on it when the ball is rolling and recover when it's not. And that's, that's just really where I think we're at with it right now. Um, so right now we're in a good pocket and the goal is to keep it there. So 
whether that be funding advertisements, keep word of mouth going, continuing to be aggressive on, again, back to marketing and promotion, because again, with the world still being somewhat in the shutdown, people are still attached to their devices. It's very easy to reach people right now. Yes, it is. Very easy to reach people. So you use the tools that you have and you, and, and, and you continue to push forward and um, hope for the best. You have to hope for the best because uh, in, in this business, sometimes you don't always get the best. You got to take what you got, but you still got to hope for the best you get. This business of, of the music business is a very strange thing. You know what I mean? It's a one minute everybody's like totally into something totally different from what they're new today. How have you been able to maintain yourself through all these changes in hip hop and changes in the music? Because sometimes some people's sound and some people's work is great for this time period, but it changes as time moves forward. You're like, what, 10 plus years into this business. What kind of things have you seen change? Um, well, it's, it's a good question because I work directly with artists, right, in the studio. Mm-hmm. So, and I work with so many different type of artists and people and emotions and creativity right. and whatever the case may have. So, you know, seeing it, you see a lot of um, people trying to attach themselves to what's popular. And then you also get to meet the very rare that are setting the tone. And, okay. Um, That's, that's a it's a difficult or it's a very widespread answer because right. the music has always been like that to a degree. You know, you've always seen people, even the Michael Jacksons and Prince in competition. Mm-hmm. And they're still trendsetters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Even with James Brown being in that, tri- that, that triple mix. So you see... Um, I keep hearing something banging in the background. I know they're they're doing renovations on a unit. Okay, 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 yeah, okay. They're doing renovations next to me. I'm, I'm I got gotcha. you. But um, yeah. So again, uh, I'm trying to think about my answer carefully. So you're saying <laughs> how, how, how do I see it? How do I see it changing? I go no. I mean, you've seen it change. I've seen. I think you've seen about three different changes because we've gone from drill music. Drill music is now super popular. Mm-hmm. I remember when it came on, it wasn't even that popular. You see the Migos come in, and that's been a change. Mumble rap and everything come in. As an artist and as an engineer, how do you feel about all these, all this kind of different kind of genres of music that popular? Because now rap is really not just rap. Rap has its own, and they have drill music sections. They have, um, I guess, you saw Lean come in. You know, you saw the Lean rap come in. Like, you've seen so many different variations these past 10 plus years. How do you feel as an artist and an engineer? Because your sound had to evolve as well. 100%. I think, um, me personally, I think it's a beautiful thing, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, you hear people say all the time that hip-hop is a young genre, so you're going to see it constantly transcend. It's, it's just growth is beautiful in itself. So if, if, if soul music is what's popping, or if, if, if the South is what's hitting, or drill music, or dubstep, or certain little pockets of this time and this era and this moment. Right, right. I think that's, that's cool. Um, I hope it continues to continue to grow and change because if we just stay in one place, there's no growth there. And then right. that's just the moment as well. So you got to be able to continue to keep pushing the genre, keep pushing the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
see see how you know see your job is to see how far you can get it sonically as an engineer um and also sonically as an artist being received to a consumer it's just you know it changed my sound drastically i think again you go through as long as you stick stay true to yourself in your music um but you're able to develop new territory sonically that you can take your sound so if you start singing or you start melodically moving different or you want to do an ad lib like this now because you might have heard it somewhere else. Now that's what hip hop is. It was like, yo, you wearing these sneakers, I'm wearing my sneakers. Everything's an opinion. Everything is subjective. That doesn't mean whose sneakers is better. But exactly. when the general masses say one thing is great, right? People try to I think attach themselves to that because they want to be, you know, they want to be known as that. But because everybody wants to win. But in essence, it's like, yo, if you just be yourself, nobody's you. And if you can tap into that person, because there's 7 billion of us on the planet and it's like, if there's only one Brian photography, right? Why would you want to take photos like this guy? You might see a certain technique, the way he, you know, or whatever, right. the, and you might start to integrate that in your, in your arsenal, but mm -hmm. that doesn't change, you know, it doesn't change who you are. It just changes how you attack and how, how you, um, how you move forward with your craft, you know? So you try to think out and you, and you, you know, that's, that's really for me. That's a is. great answer because that's a lot. There's so much there that you just said, because there's a lot of things that you like, it just seems like it's good to get a perspective of someone who's actually in the business because you get a lot of people who just give opinions, but your opinion is you're seeing it from a ground level because you're working with these young artists and you're seeing the influences and how that's all chopped up and mixed together. Did you, where do you see the music business going as an independent artist yourself and as someone who works in the business? Um, I think, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Where, yeah. where potentially, I don't think, you know, if we're going to be upfront with it, I, I don't know if there'll be 10 years from now, I don't know if a major record label will exist. Okay. Okay. Um, the YouTubes and Spotify's are your record labels now. Mm. As an independent, that's how we view it because this is your marketer. You're, this is your distributor, right? So, right. in terms of marketing and promotion, everything is direct to consumer now. So, when you have your Instagrams and your social media stuff, once you start to realize what do I need a machine for when you know, you have your home studio, you got your friend who's graphic designing your, your hoodie, or you got things that like a label is going to give you. Cause really right now, it, it, I feel like the asset of a label is a, is a budget and resources. Mm. They really, they cut out artist development, which is yeah. probably the most important department in a label, in my opinion, because right. they only want to deal with who's developed already. But if I'm developed already, and my value is at a certain point that I'm doing decent enough to get your attention. What are you willing to give me that I don't need that I already not doing for myself? That's really the tug and pull. Mm, very true. Very, very true. That's amazing. Cause yo, how can I put this? I saw that coming years ago because I started to see how artists need to really be on their own. They could do things on their own. They don't need the label so much. So, you know, currency, for example, you know, if there's anybody who's been doing it for a long time, it's been that man. And he's been out here doing it forever. And I think that in itself says a lot about where the business, because it was always going that way eventually. 
you know, now you're going to have a whole bunch. I think you're going to have a whole bunch of people who are just going to be on their own and not looking to get any money from any labels. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your business and where you want it to go now? Um, I mean, I feel, I feel, uh, like I said, I feel grateful for where it is at the moment. And I see a potential opening for way bigger, um, opportunities and, and, and more growth, whether that be in clientele, financially, um, location, um, you know, right now everything is so gray. So I feel like it's really what you make it, what you choose to make it. Right. And how you utilize your resources and then you capitalize on your opportunities because um, that to me is only what makes somebody go a little bit further if you were in comparison with anybody, which I'm not. But if, if I were to go that way, that's the only thing that's really going to separate me from the next person, you know, because what I also realized from working with so many, I guess, upcoming artists and what works for artist A doesn't mean it's going to work for artist B. And that tells me so much because there is no formula at that point. You are the formula and you have to figure out what works for you. Right. You know, I see, you gotta figure out. I see that with Griselda and how they just completely go. They went completely left of every other genre, every other music that I mean, everything that you hear out here, they're the console left of any of that. And it just sounds to me, I guess, I mean, because I'm an old head or not, but it just sounds amazing when I hear it. Because they they stuck to their guns and were completely left. Do you think there's still going to be a genre? Do you think there's going to be like a hard that hardcore genre of hip hop? I don't think it ever is going to die. How do you feel about that? Um, when you say die, like how can I put this? I don't know. You think Mob Deep? Just take Mob Deep for example. You think Mob Deep could exist in this era? Okay, so again, right? Because I mean, I'm going to be sensitive about my answer because when you say exists, mm-hmm. what the independent error right now is to me in a nutshell is right. the fact that you can go on your 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 DSP, right? Your digital streaming platform and you mm-hmm. can play Beyonce, Drake, and left. Yes. All in a row. Right? That's that's incredible. I don't right. need to go to Hot 97 and play the game. Now I'm on the same playing field as everybody that is in an A-class um, place in their career. And the only thing that separates me and them is how many people know who I am and how to access me as a, as a, as a person. So mm. if that's the game, then it's just marketing and promotion. And if that's the case, I think Mob Deep can exist to the people that want Mob Deep to exist to them. Like it's a it's a it's a weird it's like because they're they're accessible. I get it. I get it. I get it. See, really, what you're saying is like you have to be accessible to a certain point to the people that want to hear your music, and that's really where it comes down to is being accessible to that point. Yeah, I think everything is about being accessible in any in any industry, but I think. Because to go back to your question, can they exist 100%? Can they exist in the top 10% of consuming music? Hard to say, right? Because mm. we're not there right now. Facts. We're not there right now. If you look at your top artists, you're looking at people like Drake. You're mm-hmm. looking at Taylor Swift. You're looking at Cardi B. You're looking at Beyonce. People that truly are pushing the needle in terms of numbers. Um, 
that's not where the sound is right now. You know, that's not where the brand is right now. So again, it just, what is success to certain people? And you have to figure that out as an artist. I sit with a lot of clients. I had one person, I said, look, where do you work right now? He said, I work at Sears. I said, okay, let's say you make about 2000 a month, right? That's mm-hmm. 500 a week. If you could make 500 a week off music, would you leave Sears to do music? That person actually told me no. So that, that showed me where they stand and what they're doing music for. But when I tell that story to other people, they're, they're like, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> two, grand, two grand a month is almost 50K a year. Yeah. So you're pretty much making 50, 50K a year off music. Is that success? Is that freedom? Is that you're doing what you love and you're actually making a living off of it? There's so many people making 100K a year off music. You'll never hear about them because they don't make the 10 million a month like Drake, for example. Right. Um, but they're making what doctors and lawyers make off music, but you just don't hear about them because they're not in the top 10%. So it's like, what is the real win? What is truly existing? Where, where is it that you want to fall on the spectrum that would you, you would consider success? Success is relative. So it's relative to what you're doing. It's relative yeah. and it's objective. So at yeah. that point, you know, everybody's answer is different. Um, but the access, again, because it's so easy right now, um, I think anybody can exist in this era. Mm. Hey, six, of, six not existed in this era, and I don't even, you know, you know how I feel about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> Duke, whatever we call him at this point, we don't really want to mention that man's name. People like that can exist in this era, so anything can go. It's 2020. No, I didn't, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? I said, I said six nine can exist in this era, so fuck it, you know. Six nine, yeah. He's Whatever. He's doing okay, right? Uh, nah, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about Duke. <laughs> yeah, man. So what do you want to? So what do you want to do now that you've kind of you're starting to put this firm hold and everything? Is there any plans for you to venture out into other things besides music and besides um, engineering? Um, absolutely, but I also feel like I'm not where I want to be yet in okay. that realm. So I think I need to continue to working harder on, you know, um, becoming more accessible in in every aspect. And mm-hmm. um, I think at certain a certain point of me doing more, I'll know that point is is arrive when doing more approaches me i got you i got you from a branding aspect so um you start you start feeling it you start feeling like a current or some sort of like the energy man momentum right you start momentum and then people reach now and Mm -hmm. you know you're doing more interviews or you're doing more collabs or your brand is expanding Mm -hmm. into a different industry now off of little things and it just trickles in and the ripple effect goes bigger. It's slow, but it, all of a sudden you start to see. So I don't want to do too much without really mastering and maximizing what I need to be doing right now. You know, that makes sense. I agree with you on that. It just takes. I think that you're absolutely right about that because, like you said, you through quarantine, through other things, you learn patience, and you also understand that you things when they come to you, that's when you're supposed to make the moves. I get it. Now. If, if the business is coming, everything is, is, is going where it needs to go, where would you like to see things happen for you right now? Um, I, yeah, me personally, I feel like, you know, more growth, more expansion. And, mm-hmm. and um, 
I would eventually like to get somebody else in the studio with me so I can start shifting some of the work that's coming in and putting it on somebody else's plate so we can go ahead and focus on opening more, more businesses. Gotcha. More okay. opportunities. And, you know, the independent era is very um, triggering for me. It's extremely driving. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. when you wake up in the morning, you're like, what, what else can I do to keep, keep capitalizing? And then to me, that's, that's really where um, my, my mental is at. You know, is just um, to continue driving it forward and see what what we can, how much you know nutrients we can get out of the fruit. <laughs> I like the sound of that, brother. Yeah. I totally feel you on that. I totally feel you on that. Well, left, my brother, man. Thank you for coming on the show, bro. Thanks for I having me. We've been we've been waiting on to do this for a long time. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And you just. You got so much going on right there, man. We haven't even touched on other things, man. When you come back on, we're going to touch on a lot more, bro. But I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Now, let the people know where they can find you and what they got to look forward to. Yeah, so um, you can find me um, at Leftway. Everything is at Leftway. So the Twitter, the YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, leftway.com, the music. Um, I just dropped an album called Paris in Maryland. It was like an EP. It's on all streaming platforms. Um, and, you know, I'm very accessible. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if they wanted to find you to sit down and do some work with you, where what studio should they look up for? Yeah, so look, um, it's called The Gallery. It's in Hawthorne, New Jersey. Yes. Um, you could get my guy Brian to take some photos of you. <laughs> you know, and, and we can get some work in, in the studio. Mm. And um, reach out to me or, you know, uh, Vars and Sam, Brian yourself too. Right. You know, if they reach out to you, that means they're getting to me. Mm-hmm. And... Let's just keep the ball rolling in the circle, the wheel moving. You know? Yeah, because we all going to be moving, brother. 2021 going to be a whole nother year, damn it. I swear to God. By yeah. all things holy, we getting something else going. That's all I can say. No but, uh, bro. Without the COVID. Without the COVID. New day, a new day, baby. New we'll do an interview in person. Maybe the next one. <laughs> yes. That would be awesome again. Just, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Yo. Other than that, everybody, man, go check out my man's stuff, man. I really appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you for coming on again. And um, thank you guys for checking out the show, man. My voice is cracking. That means I got to go. And um, I'll catch y'all next week, man. Peace. Likewise, baby.